Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Adoptees podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Sonny, Sonny Zmish. Looking forward to our conversation again. Sonny's been on the podcast before, had a fantastic conversation, and this is going to be a great one too, so I'm looking forward to this. So, healing. What does healing mean to you, Sonny? Oh, thanks for asking, Simon. So... I think what healing means for me is that when my trauma no longer affects my current day judgment and, and, and by effects, I mean, negatively affecting it. And certainly our past is always going to be a part of our present and it will affect our judgment in positive ways, hopefully, if we learn from it. But healing means that I can move forward without the shackles of my trauma. Beautiful. Um, I, I, I love it all. I love it all. Uh, and I'm very interested in the term judgment. Right? So what, what do you mean by judgment? Mm. Okay, by judgment, I don't mean being judgy. Right. So yeah, that's yeah. not that's <laughs> that's not what I mean. Um, judgment, uh, meaning my decision making process. OK. So do you remember. The first time you had that thought. Did you have that thought before before I asked you the question? Um, no, before you, before you asked the question, I did not have that thought. Uh, so you, you made me really think about it. Um, that it just means to me, it just means that I have better discernment because when I was younger and I was still trapped in my trauma, I was certainly an idiot. <laughs> yeah. So I, I hopefully I'm less of an idiot these days because yeah. I do you feel like my judgment is better. And and by judgment, I mean having my eyes open to the needs of others or to their, perhaps their, their traumas or their motivations. And maybe my definition might unfold um, compassion, which I certainly didn't have as much of when I was younger. Yes. So I, I think healing is not only an inward action, but it's also it also extends to other people because you yeah. have more grace for yeah. things yeah. that happen yeah. with our fellow human beings. Yeah. I love that. Um so I was talking to uh to Jill. Uchiyama, who's been on the show today, she's a um, she's a, a filmmaker, and uh, we were talking about some ideas a, a couple of a uh, couple of weeks ago, and we're looking at a film, and and the something that came to me is this idea that this central tenet of filmmaking is that it, it it's called the it's called the hero's two journeys. It's called the hero's two journeys, and how it relates to what you're just saying is the the two the hero's two journeys are one is the outward journey, and 
The other one is the inward journey, right? So the 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 inner journal journey is what's going on for us internally, and the outward journey is is going on going with, what's going on with in our relationships with other people. So we might fo- be focused on our uh, adoptive parents. We might be focused on our biological parents. We might be focused on both. And to to look at those as, it, 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 you know, like feelings are an inside job. Yeah. So we're looking at the inner journey with our feelings. And, um, uh, but the world around us. And it, so it's separating, discerning, to use your word, which I think is a great one. It's discerning, you know, the environment and other people and our kind of internal environment and if we can kind of separate those if we can separate those two then that's gonna then hopefully we will be uh you know and and i will be i as you are less you know i i will be less of an idiot <laughs> i i will cause less stuff i will sure. stuff, yeah so let me give you an example about what i'm talking about so um I got a message from somebody, a fellow adoptee, and it became, uh, I had really messed up. Okay. I, I, I'd messed up. And when I read that email, in the past, that email telling me that I'd messed up would have really upset me. How could I do that? How could I be so silly? Instead, when I when the email landed in my inbox, I could see the truth in what the person said. Right, so I know that I I know that I need to change, but I, 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 the the need for me to change isn't like a isn't a charged need. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm I, I I I can be uh, I'm. I can look forward and hopefully be a better person without beating myself up about what I've done in the past with this particular person. Mm-hmm. So for you, do you think healing means that you stop beating yourself up for things that you've done in the past? Yes. Okay. Yes. And I I was also I would also have been triggered. So when that email landed, if that email landed, the one that landed a couple of days ago, if that had landed, say, six months ago, because I did a bit of some therapy stuff before before Christmas, I think, and that shifted a thing, a few things for me. If that landed six months ago, I would have actually felt, you know, like people go red in the face when they're embarrassed. Yes. When I make a mistake, I I, I kind of feel red all over. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like it's a it's a flush of I don't know embarrassment, pain, shame, beating myself up, and and something something shifted through the, this therapy work that that, that that I've done, and so I know I can I I know I need to change my behaviour whatever, but I mm-hmm. but I wasn't triggered by the email um, landing. What specifically, that's really interesting. I hope that's okay that I asked, but what specifically 
helped you in therapy to make that subtle shift? Ah, okay. So that's the interesting bit because I started the therapy looking at pre-verbal trauma. So we did body work in the therapy session. There was a bit, there was, obviously there was some talking, but it wasn't, it wasn't a, like a talk therapy session. It was, um, it, it, it was some mysterious ninja stuff. <laughs> wow. That, that, that happens through doing body work, right? So the, do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's pre-verbal, it's non-verbal, it's, it, it's, uh, we, I, I did some work about um, basically feeling uh, pain, anger, frustration in my body. And 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 it, where did the therapist say? Well, where did we? Where did you start? You know, like looking at the 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 pain in the chest. I'm feeling it in the chest. And then I actually, as she was doing it, I actually felt the. It was like a ball. And it, it started in my chest and it, it ran down one arm to my hands and it ran down the other arm to my hands. And it, it uh, to me, that kind of signified, if it signifies anything, the need to do something. Yeah. Yeah, the need to do something. So it, it's like um, maybe it's an avoidant, an, an avoidance tactic. So, for example, like, um, so we're... Uh, I, I'm bored, right? So I think, all right, what am I going to do now to get, I, I need to do something to, to get out of my boredom. That, that's what I felt. That's what it felt to me in the therapy sessions when we're talking about that. Yeah. Mm. But it's mystical wow. ninja stuff because you're working on pre-verbal trauma. Oh, I absolutely believe in that. Uh, the, um, your body holds, our bodies hold, our memories before we were able to speak. And there are certain things that trigger it. In fact, I was just writing about that yesterday, my experience in Korea. Yeah. I definitely had pre-verbal memories that surfaced as I went through the markets and all the smells and um, sights and tastes, everything just triggered something in me that I couldn't assign a specific memory to, but I knew that I had been there before. So these, that what you're describing in your body is where you hold those memories because you don't have the language for it. Indeed. And mm -hmm. to me, this, the idea that I've had on the back of that was that uh, we feel the past in the present. We feel, and you, you mentioned something about that along those lines you you use past and present we feel the past in the present so yeah we feel our, our, our past in in the present and then you've got this you've got this separation and i think you've got you've got you've got a differentiation between i think it's implicit memory and explicit memory so the implicit memory is the stuff that you haven't got words for right you yes. don't remember, you don't remember walking, you, you don't remember being sit, sat in a pram, being pushed around the market when you were a kid. In a pram, that means a stroller? A stroller, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, you don't remember that. So it's not an explicit memory. It's an right. implicit memory. Something's being triggered when you're walking around, around the market in Korea, mm -hmm. present day or whatever it was. 
then it, 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 it's triggered uh, an implicit memory. Yes, I. that's fascinating. And I'm so pleased and happy for you that you were able to look at it and identify it, not run away from it, and that it's helped you move into a, a positive mindset. Yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. And we're not, as a human race, I don't think we're very good at... Um, spotting our own change like we, mm. we we spend so much time in our own heads that you know the 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 little voice is usually a negative one rather than a positive one yeah sure it can be yep so the other idea i want to 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 talk about from what you said you talked about um the shackles of your trauma um, and you talked about uh, breaking free. Oh, no, you talked about being trapped. That's one, isn't it? Trapped by our trauma. Now, now there's, a, there's a metaphor. There's a metaphor. <laughs> An so, alliterative metaphor. <laughs> alliter yeah, we love a bit of alliteration, don't we? Trapped by our trauma and, and, and shackled to our trauma so that we're kind of to use a different metaphor, the, the one that came to mind as you were talking, I was thinking about the fact that we see see the world through adoptees' lenses. Yeah? You and I do, sure, because we're both adoptees. Yes. And we've both got glasses on, funnily enough. <laughs> but yours are cooler than mine, right? So <laughs> when, we think, when we think about the judgment, when the judgment and and the not not judging people but decision making and things like that, if if we are trapped, if we're trapped by our trauma, trapped in our trauma, if we're shackled to our trauma, then we we view the world through a trauma lens, don't we? So healing is ceasing to view others and the world through a trauma lens. So it's almost like a diff, it, it, it's like, you know, like um, you can't see, are you a skier? Are you into your, have you ever been snow skiing? You ever tried that? I have tried it. I am not proficient, not even close, but yes, I know what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? Did you, did you wear sunglasses or goggles when you were skiing? Do you remember, or both? I wore sunglasses. You wore sunglasses, right? Okay. So if you put a pair of yellow sunglasses on, right, you can't see white snow. You just see yellow snow. Yeah? Yes. You just see yellow snow. Because our lens, our lens is determining what we see. So it's almost as if you're talking healing as taking the yellow sunglasses off when you're on the ski slope and seeing white snow. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, certainly um, for me, healing started to happen when I looked at other angles. 
So not just through the lens of the adoptee, but through parents and birth parents. It also opened my eyes to the fact that everyone who approaches the adoption community or almost everyone comes to it with a little bit of shackled trauma themselves. And so understanding that is really what helped me heal. So for you, it was taking your yellow glasses off. Um, for me, it was talking and listening to other people and hearing and really hearing their stories. Yeah. And that's, that was presumably during the process of writing your book or before you wrote the book, was it? Before they wrote the book? It was during yeah. the book writing process. Yeah. Yes. Do any particular moments come to mind when you saw that for the first time? Mm-hmm. Or not the first no, time, but at a deeper level. So. Oh, for sure. The when I the the most notable one for me was when I met my first birth mother. So I I didn't know that she was a birth mother when when someone introduced me to her. So when we commenced with the interview, I thought she was an adoptive mother. But obviously, you know, within um, the first minute or two, I figured out, oh, but we kept on with the interview. And just her, oh gosh, um, she was so emotional and so genuine and just a beautiful person. Just understanding that her trauma came before her daughter was even born. Just something about that story, understanding that the trauma didn't necessarily start with her daughter, but with her circum the mother's circumstance just it brought me to tears it just and and then speaking to subsequent birth parents helped me understand that there's more to the community than just adoptees and so not that i was glad that they were hurting but the fact that I was not alone in my own hurt was what really helped me move forward. Was that was that because there was an was there an element of you seeing um how how uh, your your birth mother's trauma had impacted you while you were in 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 utero was was that I'm barking up the completely wrong tree there. Oh, well, that's another angle too. Certainly, it had to have affected me because um, you know when you're I'm a mother and I was pregnant twice, and certainly your baby becomes a part of who you are. You're, it's it's the symbiotic relationship when you're pregnant. And certainly when I was upset, I could feel my baby in utero. She was also upset. Or um, it, it just so you can't, there's no way that a baby can be born and taken away and you know, be 
surrendered for adoption, there's no way that that baby doesn't remember the time in utero. And in the so, what's the implicit memory stuff, yeah. Yes, there's there's absolutely no way that that won't affect a, a baby. And no one's um, no no one's expressed that quite as clearly to me as you just did then. Mm. So I think what you said is, if you're upset, your baby's upset. Is that what you said? Yes, I did. And so did, think about did the that trauma. Get you thinking about your birth mother. Yes. So yes, thank you for bringing back that question. My short-term memory <laughs> these days escapes me when I, especially when I go off on a tangent. Um, but yes, it did get me. So speaking, thinking about my birth mother. So in interviewing all of these birth parents, what ended up helping me heal was understanding and subsequently forgiving my birth mother. Because there's no way that she could have surrendered without any trauma of her own. And her trauma came first. Do you remember the moment when that kind of spontaneous forgiveness happened? Um, probably after I had time to reflect with this first birth mother's interview. Do you remember how that felt in the moment? Do you remember a specific moment around that? I don't know if it was a specific moment, but it was just I'm trying to give a bit, like maybe I had been this overfilled balloon for my entire life. And then finally the knot was released and it just, you know, released all of the hurt and emotion and anger and, you know, just that amalgam of, you know, just that quagmire of emotions. I can't get, that's all mixed up into your origin story, just kind of released because I finally had understanding and so the healing, I think, for me, happens when you have understanding of someone else's life and their situation and their circumstance. And I have not met my birth mother. Um, and I don't actually think I will. I've tried, and that's a whole other story. Yeah. went to Korea last year. But um, just understanding the what she must have felt helped me step forward yeah I, I don't know whether do you realize the profundity of the stuff that you're sharing here um I do but I I have thought about this quite yeah. a bit I've been yeah, yeah. You know, writing quite a bit, yeah. and so I have yeah. examined this. Yes. You're bringing tears to my eyes on this stuff. Good ones. Oh, no, good ones. Good ones. Good ones. Yeah.
well, putting some stuff into words, right? So, uh, no, listeners, she's making a frown face. This is good stuff, right? Yeah. You know, like sometimes I, I watch, you know, when I, I, I get that, I get that feeling often when I talk to, we've had a few birth mothers on there on the show now mm -hmm. um when i speak to birth mothers when i watch birth mothers on telly I, it, it, it often makes me makes me cry because it takes me back to to a moment very similar to the moment you had when mm -hmm. the when the balloon burst And I, 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 um, I was asking you about the moment because, I, in 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 my experience, it had been. It, it's a thing that happens. Healing is a thing that happens in the moment. It happens. Can you tell me about your experience. Sorry? I'm very, I'm very curious. Can you tell me about your experience? Well, yeah, I, I can. I'm hesitating slightly, but I, I. Did I tell you about reading the letter from my birth mother? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So it, listeners have heard this before. Sorry, listeners, but it, it was that, right? So okay. I, I read the letter. Um, I read the letter from Pat, Patricia, my birth mother, and floods of tears came down my face. And they, they made me realise, well, they gave me the empathy, like you gave the empathy. They gave me the insight, like you gave the insight. And they, um, for me, they, they, the insight shifted 40 seconds of the most profound pain I've ever felt. And I realized I'd been wrong in those 40 seconds. Um, and you put it beautifully, you know, her um, her trauma came before mine. That's kind of similar vibe to what I got. I also got the power imbalance, which was an interesting one. I felt the power imbalance between my birth mother, Pat, who was 22, and and um, and the, the social worker who was presumably older but in, and in a, in a position of authority. I, I got that power imbalance and and, and um and I got kind of most of all I got her desperation. I got my birth mother's desperation. I felt her desperation. And I, I felt there was no uh, I, I I felt connected with her. I felt she and me were one. And it's it's those moments that of insights that you know take a take a mind blowing, literally mind blowing in a good way. They blow our mind. They blow our false beliefs out of the water. Uh, and that's why I was that's why I'm so delighted that you could remember that 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 stuff because we're hoping that. What's the podcast about? You know, I'm getting tingly now just thinking. It, what we're trying to do, we're, we're trying to catalyze some insights. We're trying to share our healing moments. Now I'm getting 
goosebumps all over. We're trying to mm-hmm. we're trying to share our insights in the hope that that catalyzes insights. And and we're going deep, but there's there's no there's no uh, it's it's an infinite depth thing that we're here. I agree. Do any other healing moments come to mind? When I went to Korea last August, my family and I went, there were moments, there were several moments that... um, were both it was it was somewhat of a mixture so in america as a minority as a korean i'm very aware that most people around me are not asian and so being in korea stepping off a plane just being in a sea of asian people in a city and everyone we you know i just blended in except for my american clothes obviously but they they knew i was american in that way but um the few times that i did have on outfits that were somewhat korean unless i opened my mouth i felt like i belonged so that w- that was healing and then of course then there's a duality to it so if i tried to order a cup of coffee or something something pretty normal I also felt sad because I wasn't able to speak the language that I was su- supposed to speak. I mean, I'm, you know, and so I couldn't just have a lighthearted conversation with anybody because I didn't have the language. So then I, I, I was reminded, okay, there's a duality to me. I'm, I'm very much American, but the Korean part of me is undeniable so it was healing being in my country of origin in some ways but it was also it also brought up um reminders that my situation is not unique because there are other korean adoptees but unusual what what went on for you when i, I was thinking about their expectations. So you go into a shop, somebody, the, 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 the person, well, you go into a coffee shop, but you go into a, a cafe, you you walk to the you walk to the till, and then and the Korean person behind the till lo- looks at you and expects you to talk Korean to her. Yes. And you talk. And then the minute I open, right. And well, no, I don't talk English. I did I did um okay. take some Korean lessons. So I did I speak like a toddler. Oh, okay. <laughs> I speak Korean like a toddler. <laughs> so yeah. I can order a coffee, but then if there's anything more to that, I can't. And obviously my accent is American. So oftentimes yeah. they would just switch over to English for me. Yeah. So so I, I couldn't get away with it if I had to speak. Yeah. Yeah. There's um I did order a pair of shoes from a beautiful shoemaker and he made them custom for me. 
because I have very unusually unusual size feet. And when I went to pick them up, a woman was outside taking a picture, trying to get a selfie with him because he's very famous in Korea. And so she looked at me and she just handed me her phone and I knew what she was saying. I didn't, you know, take a picture of us. So I did. And I handed it back to her and I, and it was a wordless transaction. So that was fun for me because she thought I was Korean Korean, not an adopted Korean. So that, that was, that was um, helpful. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good day. But it, it doesn't sound like it, that it jarred for you. It, it doesn't sound like it was a jarring experience when, yes, so yes, you ordered the coffee um, uh, and and you can order the coffee because you know enough to order, order the coffee, but, you, but the, you, it sounds, there's not, it doesn't sound like there's a lot of charge to the frustration for you. Oh, um, what? well, I think it was more, it wasn't really, I wouldn't say it was frustrating. No. I think the adjective I might assign to it was uh, maybe a melancholy or a sadness yeah. or kind of a more of a longing because oh, okay. I knew I was there and it just made me sad that I couldn't. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, just being in the presence of my people of origin yeah. was very extremely happy for me yeah. right. that, that, that brought joy and, and my life revolves around food. And so my digestive system that week was beautiful because all of the food, Korean food agrees with me physically. And so oh, that was just wow. um, healing, just in taking in the, the, the food from that was grown in the soil in Korea, I can have Korean food in America, but there's something a little different about it. But being in Korea and when we went to my hometown where, where my orphanage was very small, we went to a restaurant and the earthiness of the kimchi and the mushrooms was like none other that I had ever had. And that felt very healing to me. Have you heard the word terroir? No. So I don't know if I pronounced it particularly. It's a French word. So Say it again? It's, it, it's terroir. I can't cut my hand around. It's like, you know, when the word territory, think of the word yeah. territory, right? It's, it's yeah. a bit like that. So uh, winemakers talk about the terroir, which is basically the the essence of this of the soil right and and the climate mm-hmm. and it's the kind of the it's the x factor of the vineyard right? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's what i that was the the thing that came to me when you talked about the earthiness of it and, and you know and it and it tasted it was the taste of home wasn't it it was the taste of home it was the terroir of home absolutely it was So we're into a like a multi-sensual, we're into a multi-sensual um, thing here. Yeah. We, we, we've moved way past the kind of verbal stuff. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It was, you know, I, I'm certain I probably tasted it in, as a, a baby or in, you know, in utero even, you know, the 
yeah. kimchi flavors and absolutely yes so not only do you feel the mother's motions but you absolutely physically get the taste in your mouth as an infant yeah. too mm -hmm. it, it is the it's the taste of home it, it's like being home it was being it was like being home but it was also um not because I can't deny that American yeah. um, food <laughs> culture is in me too. So it's like I um, I originated there, but then I was carved out in America and shaped, molded differently. So when yeah. I go back, it's just not quite right, but it, it is right, but it isn't. It, it, the duality it's, of it's just, you know, runs parallel and there's just, um, you can't remove one. Yeah, it cuts both ways. It does. And and but there doesn't seem to be a lot of there doesn't seem to be a lot of confusion there. You're not confused about it cutting both ways. You're kind of happy. You you're happy happy-ish, you're content with the cutting both ways. Apart from um, you didn't mention I about the melody. I don't know that I am content. I mean, I, I you know, talking about it, you're you're hearing the happy side, right? So the oh, happy okay. side of fitting, but I don't know that overall I'm um, happy about it it is very um it's a push-pull thing so depending on the day some days I might be happier about it some days yeah it makes me very sad because um I don't necessarily have a way to fit in either culture so lately I've been communing with other Korean adoptees and there's some there's a um a comfort level that we have with each other even though we don't know each other very well because it's that um same displacement that we all have yeah the uh what, what's the word diaspora. Sh diaspora yeah right yeah. Or, right so it, it, and and we don't have to try to explain it to anybody it is just something that's understood and so we can hang out and we don't have to have deep conversations but we can hang out and have a meal or just be yeah. and um don't have to get into a deep conversation necessarily unless we want to but there's already that understanding it's unsaid isn't it um it's an unsaid bond yeah. Yeah, yeah. I came up with this idea this morning, which was um, at, at peace with the war. Yeah. So um, uh, I can't think of it. I can't think of an example. Um, so sometimes I've got, you know, I've got two voices in my head. Right. So it it it's uh it, it's a it's a not very civil war, right? One is saying, um, all right, so uh I give you an example, all right. What one would be uh Simon, um you're still not making enough of a difference and you're not making a living out of a, uh, making a living out of making a difference and 
that it, uh, and and you should have done. Right. So that's that's one thing. And then I would say that another part would me say it doesn't matter, son. It doesn't. It, none of that. None of that matters. Um, forget about that. You've you've got past that. Don't worry about it. Right. So there's a war going on in my head between these two bits. And and then I get upset about that war, right? But being at peace with the war is saying, well, one side of your brain is always going to say that, Simon, and the other side of uh, the the other side of the of your brain is going to um, uh, is going to say the other thing, and that's just the way it is. So. Uh, these two these two thoughts are never going to reconcile. They're never going to come to peace. They're always going to be at war. But you can be at peace with the war. And by at peace, you don't mean peaceful. You just mean acceptance, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, except, okay. uh, yeah. well, yeah, I do mean peace. I do actually mean do peace. Do you mean peace? Okay. Yeah, at one level okay. up. So you level could up. Be, um yeah, it's one level up from acceptance, probably a couple of levels up from acceptance. Mm. Okay. Um, well, I don't think I'm there. I think I'm certainly, I recognize the war and I accept that there is a war because I don't have a choice. But for me, it's delving into both sides and... Um, it doesn't mean I have to like it. So there I sound like a toddler, I guess. <laughs> um, but I do I do understand and I've wrapped my brain around that there's always going to be two sides to me. Yeah, There's going to be the American side and there's going to be the Korean side. And just I think it's going to be a lifelong journey for me trying to put the two pieces together or or bridging it. So that I think that's probably where the difference is. I don't know that I'll ever be at peace about it, but I certainly accept that that's my reality. But and a lot of people that I've interviewed have had a lot less peace. Mm -hmm. Sure. I mean, sure. You're going to get, you can fight it or you can look at it and examine it. And so I think in the examination yeah. for me is where the healing comes. I mean, that's, to, you know, to bring it full circle, the, you you want to talk about healing. But for me, healing is, comes along in the examination of my adoption. Yeah. And the other thing I wanted to say is I'm not always at peace with the world. Oh, okay. It's not, it, it's not a uh, steady state. It's not a... Yeah, it's not a steady state. It's not. It's not constant. Uh, it, it's not like we've had. It, you know, it, it's not like it, it's done over and done. Okay, it, got it. it. Comes, comes back, yeah. So okay. there's. So you're human. That's <laughs> good. And I'm that's sorry. it. Yeah. So my, <laughs> I mean, this is the thing. This is the thing, really. Um, yeah, that is. Human. If if we are, if we're okay with not, I've said this. If we're okay with not feeling okay, we're always okay. 
Yeah. Okay. I'll buy that. Good, because we're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it was lovely to see you again, Simon. Thank you great. so much for having me. You're welcome. It was lovely. Loved the uh, loved the comment. Com loved the conversation. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, listeners, uh, link uh, there's a link into in the in the show notes to um, Sonny's last episode and her book, which is great. Um, book is all about. Uh, experiences of other Korean adoptees yeah. and adopted parents. All adoptees, all adoptees, domestic and international. Oh yeah, and sorry. Parents and adoptive parents. So um, many yeah. perspectives. All sides of the, the constellation. Fantastic. Thanks, Sonny. Okay. Thanks, Simon. Thanks. Listen. See you soon. Mm -hmm. Bye. -bye.